Hey, for all of you that are new, really glad you're here. I uh, want to introduce myself to you as well. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and glad that you're worshiping with us today. And um, we have caught us at the very end of a series we've been doing in Ephesians that we've called Sit, Walk, Stand, which is kind of this, this outline of, kind of, uh, of how we live the Christian life. I think too often in church, and as we think about what it means to follow to follow God and be who God's called us to be, we focus on the on the middle section, the walk. This is what you're supposed to do. Being a Christian means you do this. Means Christian, you don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And we, and we focus on that so often, and then we get out there and we can't do it, or we don't do it, and we get frustrated and discouraged. But this actually, this this outline of this book has provided a much more helpful. A pattern for what I think we can really have long-term success in our spiritual life. And it starts with, with this sit section that we did for a few weeks where it's kind of, hey, before you get out there and do the things you're supposed to do, here are a few things that you need to understand. And he makes sure that we understand about the bigness and the greatness of God, that we understand how free the gift of the gospel is and make sure that we're not overestimating our own abilities. These are the things that you need to know. If real work's going to happen in your life, God's going to do it. So he explains all these things to us. And then we spend a few weeks here, we've been talking about, hey, well, and these are the things then that you need to do. If all of this is true, this is who you need to go out there and be. And now we're going to kind of close it out here with this stand. It's like so, and stand is kind of like a stand strong, stand firm. We'll see that word several times in today's passage. Basically, where it's um, there's some things out there you need to be careful about, though. It's not going to be easy, and this is what you need to watch out for. And the analogy that I've used, I think, a couple times in this series is with teaching teenagers how to drive. If it's when it's when it's time to teach them how to drive, you don't just well, it's, it's time for you to start driving. You toss them the keys and hope for the best. Right? That's, that's a terrible idea. You don't jump straight into walk. I mean, there's, there's some things that you need, to, you need to sit down here and you need to learn some things. You need to understand a few things. You need to sit and understand. And then maybe we can do this together for a little bit and we just can kind of learn together and kind of do it slowly. And then when you finally send them out on their own, you got to hey, be careful. And, and my line with them, you can judge me if you want, has, has always been, if you'll drive like everyone else out on the road is trying to kill you, you'll be okay. It's not that they are, but it feels like it sometimes. You just kind of have to drive careful like you don't know what they're going to do. And you think, what, what, what has made this guy so bitter? Um, I'll give you one just from yesterday. Just from yesterday. I'm at Walmart parking lot on MLK. You know, sometimes you're in Walmart parking lot, the, the lane between the parking deals, it's big and this time it's two-way traffic. Sometimes parking lot's small and there's just one lane of traffic. Let's just say this one was one lane traffic and it was only going this way. And we're leaving, so I pull out this way and I start heading this way. Now I'm at the front of the store. I'm going to turn and get out of here, right? And there's a guy right here in front of the store. He decides where he wants to be is, is in my lane, so he starts to turn, and I'm like, bruh, they're just, they're just the one lane, and, and, I'm, and I'm already here, and it's one way, and this is the wrong way. And he never made eye contact with me. He never looked at me. He did, he did not receive the, 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 the well-intended, disdainful look I was giving him. <laughs> right, you make this look, right? You see, it's like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. He ne- I never even got the satisfaction of showing that. I mean, like, I'm here, and he's like, he's turning right into me. But again, 
because of my uh, belief that everyone is trying to kill me, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, there's no way he'll do it. I'm thinking, of course he will. He's trying to kill me. And so I was able to definitely kind of zip, zip around him, again, giving him the look the whole time, which he never acknowledged, and he just kind of tootled his way up, up, the, up the wrong way, right? Okay. So I think about this, man. I think about it, man. I, I see my kids drive off, and I'm like, man, it's, just, it's, it's scary. It's hard. And I, and I want you to know, and I ask you, if you think about... And I want to be the man, the woman that God has called me to be. I want to live a Christian life in a way that is honoring to God. Would you say that when you kind of walk out of here after the inspirational music is over, right? And, and the inspiring words, and you walk out of here, is it easy or hard? My guess is that we could probably have some universal agreement that it's hard. And I think one of the reasons why it's so difficult is there's some challenges and some obstacles out there that we're either uh, ignorant of or we want to pretend don't exist in some way. And that's what we're going to be looking like in Ephesians chapter 6. But before we get to that, for those of you who are paying attention, you'll notice we have skipped over a large section of Ephesians. From Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 to Ephesians 6 9, we're skipping over that. And it's all about relationships. And we spend a good portion uh, every year in the fall talking about relationships, marriage relationships, dating relationships, parents, friends, all these kinds of things. And so we talk about this frequently, so we didn't feel the need while in Ephesians to, to, re, to revisit some of those things when we'll very likely talk about them again later this fall. But my, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is actually nestled there, and I feel like I just, need, I, I just can't not, right? Okay. So in Ephesians 5.21, this is kind of Paul's thesis verse for everything else that he says about relationships in the coming verses. In Ephesians 5.21, he says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this idea of submit to one another is like, I'm going to give something up for you. So there, there's something I'm giving up, and then out of the something that I'm giving up, I'm giving something to you. And then he describes what it looks like in marriage, he describes what it looks like in parenting, he describes it in all these different relationships. Okay? And so I want to make sure that we understand this phrase. And if you're someone who writes things down, you should totally write it down. If you don't write things down, you should totally write this down, right? Okay, so what, do you, what this means is, and this, this is his thesis for all relationships, and I think if we put our mind, if we grasp this, all of our relationships will be infinitely better. Submit to one another. What does this mean? It's that I'm going to give up the thing that I want in this relationship to give the other person what they need. So if I'm in a relationship where I, all, of, all I can really think about in this relationship is what I am getting, what, you're, what I can get from you, you're in an unhealthy place in that relationship. You, something about you needs to change. Because I, I can't go into this relationship thinking about what I want I need to be thinking about this relationship, what I can give and what they need. And when both people in a relationship are doing that, be it friendship or a marriage or whatever, now you have a healthy, thriving relationship. Ephesians 5.21, that's awesome. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, we are, we're, we're talking about this, these challenges and these obstacles that we face. And, and why it is, what are the thing is out there, one of the things that we need to be, to take, to be careful, to take a stand against, if, if we're going to be the people God's called us to be. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that 
you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So he's about to go into a real extended metaphor here. Uh, it's described as the armor of God. So it, what he's describing is this life that we're living, it's like a battle. And if you're going to live, if you're going to survive in a battle, you're going to have to be properly equipped. You're going to need this armor. And he's going to describe all this armor. And so we've already gotten a metaphor that I feel like we should be able to connect with in some way. When I describe and say that being the person that God has called you to be is challenging, I mean, if I were to describe it as a, as a war, as a battle, I think maybe that we, we yeah, I, it feels like that sometimes. And the reason why he says this is important, because it is a battle, and he's describing it as taking your stand against the devil's schemes. And so he's saying, man, there's this, there's, this, there's this entity out there, it's called the devil, and he's got these schemes, and because of these schemes, you're going to have to be careful. And so... I've been, I've been thinking about this, you know, knowing this sermon was coming up for a couple of weeks. And I, I was here thinking, like, we're just going to start off here by, 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 by talking, about the, talking about the devil, right? And I think, man, am I, am I going to be talking to an audience that's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in for that. I get that. Or we talk to a skeptical audience, a little mix of both. I mean, it's kind of battling. So I'm like, we're going to start here just a little bit at the beginning, just real basic to make sure that we're all on the same page. And we'll start with this, this, this kind of basic concept, that the spiritual world, the spiritual world is real. There is a world that is non-physical that you cannot see, the spiritual world, it is out there and it is real. There is a real spiritual world out there, and in that spiritual world there is a battle that Paul is about to describe. And so in this spiritual world, in this spiritual battle, there are angels that are described kind of as God's messengers, and, and there's Satan and demons, which are kind of this, the exact opposite, kind of this, this evil force in the world. And the Bible describes that it used to just be angels, but some of them chose to rebel against God, and that became Satan and what we call demons. So they kind of have the good angels and the bad angels. And this is a spiritual world out there, and this is real. Now again, I can imagine that for some people this, feel, this might feel a little unenlightened, that this might feel, this might feel primitive, uh, like, a, like, a, like a dumb thing to believe. And I assure you, I 100% believe this, one. And two, I also assure you, it's not the dumbest thing I believe. Um, honestly, the dumbest thing I believe is not that Noah built an ark. It's not that Jonah got swallowed by a whale. The dumbest, most ridiculous, implausible thing that I believe is that there was this man who lived this awesome life and told us about God and then died. I mean, like, dead, dead, like dead. And the person who was dead, multiple days dead, came back to life. And somehow that that death has spiritual impact on my life and my ability to be reconciled to God. If that is true, and I believe that it is, and I believe that God has revealed that to me, and I believe that God has revealed that to many of you, and from billions of people in over all the last thousands of years. And if, if I can put my mind around that, I mean, it's kind of, kind of it's open, right? And, and this Jesus, who I believe has given me so much life, he describes a situa- situations of encountering this evil presence. And if Jesus says that it's real, and cover to cover all throughout the scripture it describes it as real, I believe that it's real. And so we may be troubled by the image of demon, and we may have some false ideas or something in our head about what, what this is, or 
But I, I think here's something, we'll just start with this. I think we can all agree to this. There is an evil in this world. There is an evil in this world that cannot simply be described as a few people making bad decisions. There is a prevalence and a depth of evil in this world. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I think we might have had a little harder time getting people to buy in on that. But I think the more we're learning about what's going on all around the world and the more kind of our, our world in a lot of different ways is kind of taking some bad turns, I, I think that we can all see on some level. Man, evil, evil is real. So I think if we can get to the point where we can say, I believe that there is a prevalent evil in this world, and I can also say with pretty fair confidence that there seems to be a lot of obstacles and, and difficulties in trying to be the person that God's called me to be. I think we can all agree on those two things, and now we're just kind of let the Bible describe it to us and describe it in terms of the spiritual world. And even though that may not sound very enlightened, it may not sound very smart, it may not sound very scientific, well, we need to put science aside for a second. Science, science can, can do a pretty good job of describing what the physical world is like, but it has neither the desire, the belief system, or the tools to describe a world outside of the physical world. And there is a spiritual world, and it's real. And, I, and, and I, I, my guess is you've experienced this and may have not been able to put your, put your, put your, put your finger on it. Because there's some places, have you ever been some place that you've been there and it just feels oppressive? Like you walk in and it just feels like there's just something not right. I remember experiencing this every month or so when we were fostering our youngest and then adopt her. Every time we would go down to this family court place, it was adjacent to a, um, to a, to a prison. And most, 90% of what happened in this courtroom was descriptions of some of the worst things that happened to kids all over this county. And also, teenagers that are headed to, to, to juvenile uh, uh, juvenile detention, right? And, and so, there you walk in the door, and there's just a heavy oppressiveness to it. And, and there's been a couple of times in other, in other contexts where I've been asked to testify in divorce court, and, and every time, man, I just, I, my only descriptor of it is you just walk in there and it, and it feels like death. There's just the heaviness there. In the summer of 1995, my wife and I spent, uh, spent the summer in Ukraine. This was right after uh, the, uh, the former Soviet Union had kind of opened itself up to uh, the Western world coming to sea. And we were there on this missions trip and... I'm telling you, decades and decades of just kind of institutional atheism and oppression, there was just a different feel in that world. And you could, you could see it on the people. You could feel it in the air, an oppressiveness. And, 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 and you need to be aware of this. You need to be aware that this is real. Even if, even, and again, I'm almost 100% confident that you've experienced this on some level, even if you've never given it a name. But I think one of the challenges, though, is we start talking about Satan. We, we kind of get into these weird stereotypes, right? Or, or we start to think people kind of use this, and this is not what we're going to do today. Right? Use this as some sort of excuse, right? Like the, like the devil made me sin. Oh, you do something, oh, the devil made me do it. And, and we use the devil in the spiritual world as some sort of excuse 
not for evil in the world, but for the evil in your world, right? And can we just all agree on this basic premise? Here's the basic premise. You don't need any help. Right? Your evil is your evil. Right? You're making choices and you're doing things. But it would be good to know if I no longer want to be that kind of a person, I need to know that there are obstacles out there in this world that are keeping me from it. So this is not an excuse. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not offloading responsibility for the bad decisions and the sin in our own life. But as we're trying to overcome this, as we're trying to give God a, a larger presence and a larger role in our life, and I want more of Him, and I'm going to go out there and be who God's called me to be, if there's a serious challenge out there, if there's more out there in this world than I recognize or I know about, I, I need that. Okay, so now He's going to continue to describe what this, this spiritual world, this spiritual battle is like. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he's describing a battle. We'll just say it this way. The spiritual world is real, and there's a war. There's a spirit, the spiritual world is real, and there's a war. There's a war. It's a struggle. There's a battle. You are in a battle. And he describes this battle. This battle is not between you and other people. This is a spiritual battle. The war over people's souls and their lives is a spiritual one. But here's the thing that we've done that I think is real important for us to understand. This war that he's talking about, this spiritual war, we've turned it into a physical war. We've decided that the enemies are other people. Other people who disagree with my politics. Other people who disagree with my perspective on life. Other people who are doing bad things. Things that I don't approve of. People, It's these people, and I need to battle these people. But Paul, just in some of the verses that we didn't look at, he's talking about the way that we need to interact with that world. He says, you need to overwhelm them with love. You need to overwhelm them with, with life. You give them life and you serve them and you love them. That's what you do with the people and that we battle, though, the spiritual world. So I'm not going to win anyone's soul by fighting them. I'm going to win their soul by loving them and fighting in the appropriate place. So the struggle, it's not flesh and blood struggle. It's against rulers, authorities, this, this, this evil presence. And so we'll just, we'll just, we'll just say this. That there's a, this war, the, the, these schemes, the devil's schemes that he's talking about, that he is actively, actively trying to prevent you from becoming and being the person that God has called you to be. There are some of you who are still, have never really fully given your, your life uh, to God through Jesus Christ in faith. You've never done that. And it just feels like that there's some obstacle there. That's what we're talking about. You go out there, it's like, I'm trying to make this, this big decision. I'm trying to do this right thing that I've never done before. I'm trying to overcome this, and it just feels like, you ever felt that? It's like, it just ever felt like the world's against you? You're trying to do the right thing, and the world is against you? Something happens, something happens, to, my, something happens to my car. Something happens, you know, I'm just, try, I'm just trying to go to church. How many times people, people are coming to church? And, 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 and they're fighting in the car, right? And, and something happens. 
you, you people like it's my first time to go to church in a while. We got everything loaded up, and brand, we had a little baby, and a little baby pukes all over himself, right? And and you 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 hear these stories like these. It just seems like there's just something that's keeping me from doing the things I know that I'm supposed to do. And I'm telling you, there is an active spiritual world out there. There is an active spiritual force that is desperately trying to prevent you from becoming who God has called you to be. They're trying to riddle you with anxiety. They're trying to riddle you with fear. They're trying to keep you afraid, demotivate you in whatever way that we can, in whatever way that they can. Now here's what I don't want. I don't want us, we're, we're not ever, as a church, or as a people, I'm never going to encourage you to be people who obsess over the spiritual world. I don't want you to obsess over it. But here's the thing, I don't want you to be ignorant of it either. Because here's the thing that I believe. I believe that the devil in his scheme to completely keep you from becoming the men and women that God has called you to be, I believe he has two very effective uh, polar opposite uh, uh, strategies. One you see in, I think, in, in, in more third world kind of countries. Ever been to any of these kind of places? It just has a different spiritual feel to it. And they will describe to you some, some awful encounters with evil. And the, and, and the strategy there is to keep them so afraid of, of the spiritual world that they're just going to stay stuck where they are. And then there's another equally effective strategy which is to convince you that everything that I'm saying is ridiculous and to keep you distracted by other means from the reality of the spiritual world. If I can keep you uh, uh, distracted and ignorant, then I can do whatever I want and you'll never even know where it's coming from. And so we've got these two strategies. And, and we can dismiss what happens in these, these third world more tribal places, we can dismiss it as them, as them being primitive, if you would like. But what I would like to suggest is actually they're just a little more in tune than our, than our highly distracted, uh, overly educated world that we live in. But I'm telling you, the effect has been just the same, which is to keep us stuck where we are. I'm too distracted and 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 to even know what's happening in my life. And, and I feel this. I, I feel this. I, it, is, it is not a coincidence. I, it's, it's just something that, that you just kind of have to get used to on some level, that there's going to be a lot of night, a lot of Saturday nights where I have really anxious dreams. And I'm going to wake up. I wake up on a Sunday morning. You know, you wake up and you're kind of tired. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not at my strongest, Right? And 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 there and there's just there just feels like there's this pressure. You, you, dude, don't don't talk about that today. It happened this morning. Don't talk about that today. It's weird. There's probably going to be new people there, right? And, and you're going to be like talking about the devil, and and they're going to be like, what an idiot. And 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 you start hearing it's like it's like there's you're you're going to be dismissed. It's going to be embarrassing. You should just keep it to yourself. Talk about something else. There's, there's something that's like, tell me. And this happens like when I lead small groups. This happens when I'm, I'm hanging out with guys 
and we're, and we're trying to like have some kind of Bible study or something where it's like we're hanging out talking about sports and it's like, man, don't, 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 don't say nothing. Don't, say, don't, don't be that guy. Don't be, oh, pastor, all of a sudden, pastor, got it all of a sudden, he got, he got to Jesus this thing up here a little bit. Like, we're having a good time, and you weirded it out. And, 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 and it's like, every, there's like this, there's this thing, there's something happening where it's like, don't do the right thing. Don't help people. Don't serve people. Don't challenge people. Don't become and be who God's called you to be. There's this, there's this oppressiveness. And again, I don't want you to start obsessing about it. And the last thing I would want is you don't, need, you don't need to be afraid. But you need to be smart. You need to be aware. You need to be on guard. And this is how Paul describes it. This is what we need to do, verse 13. Therefore, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I, am fearless, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. So what he's describing here, again, is this metaphor. Um... You're about to go into war. If you're going to go into war, you better be properly equipped. You need to have the helmet and the, and the, and the shield and the sword and all the armor that you need. So if it's true that the spiritual war is real and there's a war, what needs to happen is so you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared for this. I don't want to be, I don't want to be scared. I don't want to obsess about it. But I don't want to be ignorant of it either. I don't want to pretend that it's not real when it is. And knowing that it's real and being prepared for it will help me overcome it. And so, I don't want you to walk out of here as like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be scared. Let's just be honest. Life was already scary. Right? Being good, being right, doing, who, doing what God has called you to do is very often scary. And it's hard. And it's challenging. It's already that. Me giving you a name and another reason why this is shouldn't make it more scary. In fact, if, if you're correctly prepared it can make it significantly less scary. One of my minor passions, we may, we'll, we'll rank them, try to rank them. You know, there's, you know there's, there's God and Jesus in my life is number one. My, my family is number two. Razorback basketball, it's kind of right there. And then, then maybe roller coasters, right? Roller coasters. One of the things I really like to do is to convince people that they should be riding roller coasters when they're not, Right? You should totally do it. You should totally do it. You should totally do it. It's great. It's like I love, I love, I love taking people who are reluctant on. It's like, oh man, it's scary. It's not scary. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's like, but you go upside down. I was like, you know, they strap you in. I mean, sure, if like you're just you're just kind of walking along and I flipped you upside down, yeah, man, that would hurt. But they I mean they they they're strapping you in, and then they come by and they check half heartedly, kind of flipping like you know. <laughs> 
I don't know how that helped. It's, it's okay. I check it myself too. Right, right. Once you're strapped, oh goodness. Once you're strapped in, once you're strapped in, you're safe. You're safe. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're safe. And then what theoretically would be scary, 60 miles an hour upside down, becomes thrilling. We've moved from scary to thrilling. And so this life that is scary, being who God called you is scary. If I'm prepared, it becomes thrilling. If I know what's coming and I'm prepared for it, now, now, now I'm experiencing life. And I, and I love these descriptors. And I'm telling you, each one of these things, these different pieces of armor, each one by itself would be a, a great sermon in and of itself. But we're, what, we'll, what we're just going to do is just kind of just briefly just kind of look at, look at each one of these things. And at first, he's, he's talking about you kind of you stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So this thing that's kind of tying it all together is truth. I know who God is. I know who I am. I know who I'm supposed to be. And, 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 and it ties it all together right understanding and belief about who God is, who Jesus is, and who I am. And then he starts talking about this, this breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, kind of living a right, good life. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. That when we sin, it does damage to our soul. How do I protect my heart, my soul, my very self? I do this by living rightly. And then on my feet is the gospel of peace. I mean, that thing that keeps you stuck, anxiety, fear, the peace that the gospel brings gives me the peace that I need to move forward in my life. And the shield of faith, no matter what gets thrown at me, I believe that God is who he said he is. I believe he's going to do what he said he will do. And there is nothing that you can throw at me that this will not deflect. And then I wear a helmet of my salvation that keeps my head, my thoughts. I know that God has done an incredible work in my life. And then I carry with me this sword. Now I'm going to go on the offensive. Knowing who God's called me to be, knowing what I need to do with the sword in my hand of the truth of God's word. I go out there and whatever obstacle and whatever challenge I may face, I have everything that I need to become and be the man or woman that God has called me to be. So don't be afraid. Don't be scared. And don't be too full of yourself to acknowledge the fact that there is a real evil in this world. A real evil that is trying to oppress you and is trying to hold you back. And the more prepared and on guard I am, the stronger I can be, the more I will be able to take a stand and be everything that God is wanting me to be. So as we respond, as we worship, let's worship with our whole heart. Let's let these these spiritual tools overwhelm us. Let's pray. The prayer team will love to pray with you. There's prayer candles. 
there's communion. You can pray at the cross. You can pray right where you are. But let's pray. Of all the things that we're doing, let's pray. Let's pray that we can be strong. Because here's the thing that I know. That there are real challenges and obstacles that you're facing. Situations in your life. Sin in your life. Hurtful relationships. Fears about kids. Fears about the future. And there's every reason to be weak. But let's pray that we will be strong and overcome everything that these schemes might throw at us. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for all these awesome people. And God, what a privilege it is to be their pastor, to be their friend. And God, I do pray that we would trade the fear for the thrill of life. And that, God, that we would be prepared that nothing that this world, the physical world, the spiritual world, my worst ideas, God, nothing would hold us back. And no matter what challenge this world will throw at us, God, we would stand And that, God, that we would be who you've called us to be and to take your hope and your life and your light to a world that desperately needs it. That we would take the hope and the gospel of peace about your son, Jesus Christ, to our friends, our family. And that, God, I just pray that, pray we would be strong. And we thank you for your son who makes all this possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.